0: Alrighty.
1: Welcome back to the Husky fan podcast. I'm doing a little bit of a different style of recording. So apologies if this sounds worse, but uh geez, uh Jimmy, I don't know how long it's been since we've potted maybe almost a month or three and a half weeks or so. Uh, it's good to hear you brother.
2: Yeah, man. It's uh you know, it's good times to be talking dogs. It just seems to be Getting better and better, buddy. I don't, you know, it, the the news, the hype just continues to build, even in the, uh, this, w- would you call this the the dead part of <laughs> the football season for college football? We're kind of in a lull where now we're looking to spring football. But, you know, all the Husky fans that I speak to, uh, you know, weekly, Everyone's very excited about what lies ahead for this football team, buddy. So anytime we can talk dogs now, it's good. We don't have to talk about a drunken coach or a coach that hits players or a coach that you know looking for other jobs or someone who talks a big game and doesn't bring anything to the table in the field. So it's a good feeling. We we have optimism. Optimism
1: is back in
0: Montlake.
1: Yeah, well, honestly, it's good business. I mean, it, it should be good for all the Husky sites out there because last year, or I mean, if we're, I mean, I still think of last year's twenty twenty one, even though we're in twenty twenty three. But okay, two years ago or two seasons ago, you know, you have such a bad season, a coach hits a player, you know, a, a new coaching search, so that kind of thing. You know, when news is really bad, that also drives eyeballs. Like they say in the financial media, you know, the, the CNBC and Bloomberg, their ratings are off the charts when the market's crashing, basically. So, I mean, all these people who make money off of, you know, these various web websites and, and, you know, other places and whatnot, uh, you know, they had that. And now they have this just, you know, a, a season later, you, you were going into the most anticipated season probably since 1992 or
2: 1991 wouldn't you say i would and and to say all these sites kim kringles would still want sarkisian as the head coach of washington
1: (laughs) yeah i you know i was i was setting (laughs) i was setting this up so i could comment about him and (laughs) he's still driving people away from his website you know even though in interest like you're saying interest in husky football is going to grow it's it's going to surge this off season and uh yet he's such a great businessman that uh you know he's still driving people away from his website i do you know i wanted i, I should do it this thursday but th- uh, cuz i wanted to tweet this a throwback thursday my favorite kim grinnold's post as far as like the most ridiculous post was i think this was after the or sometime, yeah. After the twenty eleven season, they were talking about defensive coordinators that Sart could hire. He, he, he Kim was even selling that he could hire Jack Del Rio. That like Jack <laughs> Del Rio would be interested. A guy who's an NFL head coach, an NFL head coach is going to demote himself, and at the time, you know, work for you know an average or a mediocre. Uh, college program and a really young mediocre coach he's going to be he's not even going to be a head coach he's going to be a coordinator it was the most ridiculous thing i had ever heard him say or write on a message board that uh well and number two is probably you know the way he defended sark blowing up at you know who was that guy the get back guy you know when When yeah. uh, the, the, okay. they were running out of the tunnel. I mean, what what an asshole Sark is! What a fuck! I'm sorry, but that guy's a fucking asshole. He's a piece of shit. He's a bad person, and he hasn't learned anything. You know, he went to Camp Saban, and he's the same fucking guy he always was.
2: Yep, exactly. His defense, his attempt to defend the S- the Sark for that blow up before the game, it- it's truly jaw dropping. Mind blowing. There, literally, nobody is defending that behavior. You know, former players, people in the media. I mean, that was insane. So, you know, it's proof that Sark is, you know, bending under the pressure. You know, he got the blinks in in the game, right, (laughs) against Washington, which we saw the blinks, and yeah, he's the same guy, and. Can no one has failed forward like Steve Sarkissian. It is just a sight to behold. It is you could probably write a book about the topic about how this guy has failed forward. No one and, and he still gets praise. What is he getting praise for? What has he done? He was the quarterback coach at USC. And people point back to his, you know, early rise at UW, and you know they went what five and seven coming off the 0-12. Mind you, we've given Willingham credit. I mean, that team had I think eleven ended up having eleven NFL players on that roster.
1: So it's not like yeah, it mean, wasn't working
2: with anything.
1: Yeah, they could have they could have hired Chris Fetters, and the team would have won four or five games in two thousand nine. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if,
1: but anyway, did you, did you like how, I mean, obviously he was just completely outcoached by Kalen DeVore and especially, you know, that one, the timeout that we stole baiting them into taking a timeout at the end of the game. That, that, I mean, that was a, that Texas would have had another 45 seconds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that was,
2: yeah, that was key. That was huge. Uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about the game. Um, now, obviously, uh, yeah, the the bowl game because we haven't talked about it yet. Obviously, Texas, not the best coach team, you know, very strong in metrics, you know, top ten in metrics. Obviously, missing some of their best players, but still, I mean, even without those guys, you're playing a team with a lot of blue chip, talented guys out there, and uh, you're playing against. Definitely the most talented team you've seen all season. It's almost a de facto road game. You know, most of the fans there are, are Texas fans yep. because it's so close to their campus. And uh, you know, at one point we were ahead twenty-seven ten in the fourth quarter. Yeah. No, no, and
2: and uh, you know Texas had a has a good secondary too. I mean, they had good corner. They have good corners. Uh, and you know, you know, Penix w- was off early and we've seen that out of him a-, a few games, but he just heats up and, you know, you could kind of feel it, you know, shifting and they had that really long drive uh, where he was just completing pass after pass. Um, so, I mean, clearly, you know, them not having Robinson at running back was, you know, hurt them for sure. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, basically a home game. You know, they, I mean, they took Alabama to the wire, and Graham they didn't have that top linebacker. But like to your point, they did a, a number of you know really good players. Um, so I mean, obviously it was, I was sure happy about the win and the fact that obviously getting the eleventh win, capping off an incredible run, and then you know. Moving
0: into the off season with the momentum. You yeah, these-
1: and yeah, and our buddy Husky fan ninety one, he made this point to me, and we were DMing after the game about how if you look at a lot of great seasons that we had, um, in you know the last several decades, the year before. Many of those were followed by, I mean, you had a key, you had a key bull win before. Like if you look at 89, you know, beating Florida. Right. Wasn't that a, that was a blowout, right? Uh,
2: I honestly, I I don't remember the final.
1: I think it was, I want to say it was like 31, seven or something like that. But anyway, the 1989, it was an eight and three team going into the bowl. Very strong metrics team, you know, top 15, I think strong win that game you go into 1990 and you know obviously that you know that team was almost a juggernaut but that set the stage for just dominating the conference um and then you know winning the Rose Bowl in 1990 I mean dominating high. it was the, it was the score was it was much worse than the score I mean it was 33-7 at halftime that set the stage for 92 and then thinking about um well there wasn't anything later in the 90s but interestingly even, the, you know, one season where the offseason hype or the preseason hype didn't really pay off was 1997. I mean, that's probably the most disappointing season in Husky history. But so 1996 with Corey Dillon, we were 9-2, and two, lost the bowl game 9-3. and three. But remember, we got waxed by Notre Dame. Um, so we didn't have any, you know, there weren't any, there wasn't any like clutch or key win that the team could really gain a lot of confidence from. Um, you know, 1999, we lost the bowl game to a good Kansas state team, but I mean, it was, it was really close. It would have been a huge win if we won. I think they were a one loss team, but you know, yeah, carrying that forward 2015, you know, ended the season really strong and the, and the, uh, you know, with the four straight wins and the, the players had a lot of confidence going into 2016, like, Obviously, you know, hearing the reports about that team, like the players were like fully bought in a- after the end of that season. And um, I don't know if I'm missing one comparison, but you know, now you can see it. It's like we, you know, we beat a better team. You know, it was a tough bowl game. We beat a, a better team on paper. It was nearly a road game. You know, we closed out the season 11 and 2. And you know we were playing the best at the end of the season. Now all these players are coming back, so they they know how good they can be. They have the confidence, and so what I'm saying is, if you look at our history, we can draw good parallels with that going into next season.
2: Well, just for the record, Washington beat Florida that year, 34-7. So you were off three Freedom Ball. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're close. I'm giving. You, I'm giving you give me credit,
1: man, just off the cuff. You were, you were basically spot on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, these are the important things I, you know, I remember anniversaries, birthdays and Husky football scores, the very, the very important information and, 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 you know, bills, I got to pay, you know, dates, I have to pay my credit cards. Like those are the, those are the things that I remember. Uh, I just, just got enough. Yeah. Enough room to remember all that stuff. Um, this means you have your priorities straight. Yeah, no, I I can remember. Like I remember, I remember where I was. You know, listening or watching to basically every Husky game, going back to the end of 1990. Like, there's probably th- only three or four games I don't remember what I was doing or where I was. That's that's incredible, man. Because
2: <laughs> I definitely cannot match that. But I. Yeah, from basically, yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of games. I attended a lot of games, but I can't tell you Yeah, that's impressive. I'm 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 not at your level. I wish I could say I was.
1: Well well, okay, you're a little bit older. You have a full family, so you have more on your plate. It probably <laughs> it probably left your some of those things probably left your brain. <laughs> just uh
2: yeah, just the, the memory the memory banks have been swiped. In
1: some no, but I, cases. but I, I mean, I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, do you buy into anything I just said with regard to the team building momentum at the end of the year and winning a bowl game? Do you buy that that's going to be a major catalyst for next season?
2: I, I do. And I, it does seem like... We've seen guys return, I think, also is a marker to be aware of. Because, I mean, it's not uncommon for people to leave, even if they're on the fence of whether they should stay or go. And, like, I think, like, with aid, you could I think you could argue where, you know, he, he could have left and he'd be successful or he could really benefit from one year. He's kind of like that. He's kind of a fence guy. And I feel like if the environment wasn't right, or, the you know, he wasn't happy with his coaches or whatever. I mean, I guess he could portal out. There was that option. But, you know, he decided to stay. Obviously, it helps that panics Estate because he knows he's going to have a good quarterback. He has rapport. Like, all the pieces for him to be successful are there. But imagine, like, if the culture wasn't right or he didn't like the coaches. You know, he's probably not there. Um, so, I think that's something to be uh, – Looking at as well as guys coming back and knowing that what's in front of them, and part of that has to be belief in your coaches. There's no way that you think you're going to have a next successful year if you don't think the coaches are going to get you there. Um, and it seems like the guys really like Ryan Grubb too offensively. And there's a lot. It seems like, and again, we didn't get a lot of marketing from prior staffs, but they seem definitely more focused on that, but you know, you always see pictures with grub and players. Um, So I I think it's very, very reasonable to look at the past, look at parallels, look at what they can do with this team moving forward. So I mean, there's no reason not to be bullish uh, for next year for this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, the other thing going back to, and I'll try and, train, I'll try and segue from making this thought. Uh, going back to the game, the other thing I really liked about that game is it wasn't a game where we won forty-five to thirty-eight, and Pennix had five hundred yards, and our defense was like, yeah, you know, it just made like a couple plays. If if you look, like everyone contributed to that victory. I mean, you were mentioning. I think you mentioned that drive that was a 90 yard drive. I think that that was in the fourth quarter when it was 20 to 10. We got the ball back and mm-hmm. you know just steadily moved down the field, you know, 90 yard drive. You know, so Penix, I mean, he was fine. He wasn't, you know, wasn't his best game. He was fine. Um, you know, Wayne Talapapa, by the way, yeah, this guy went from at the beginning of the season, he was struggling to get one yard against Michigan State. And we're like, I mean. Even, you know, even Andrew, who I guess is told me he's going to start listening to our pod again because we're (laughs) not we're not negative anymore. But even at the Michigan State game, like he texted me, I don't know if it was that or even after the first game. And he just said, this guy sucks. Yeah. You know, Andrew's a very nice. He like rarely says that about a player. He's like, this guy sucks. And then you see him. He's outrunning guys on Texas for a 45 yard touchdown. It's like. Holy shit, like, have you ever seen a player improve that much from the beginning of the season to the end? Yeah, no, yeah, I mean,
2: he was, he was key in that game. And just,
1: just, yeah, no, you're right, and just to, yeah, stop me for a second, because I also wanted to mention, you know, the tight ends made important catches, you know, there, there, there wasn't anything that was, like, sensational, but... You know both tight ends. You know they they made good catches. They got yards after the catch. I mean it was just solid. You know the receivers had some. You know Jalen McMillan had a big catch on third down in the fourth quarter. Um, you know Odunze had a couple. And and you look at the D. I mean, did we hold them to three points at halftime?
2: I I think it, I I think so. I mean again it was like it feels so long ago
1: that game. Yeah. It was third Sorry to interrupt you again. It was 13-3 at halftime and those. Like those, those announcers were horrible. I mean that those guys were, it was, it was like, we're listening to a Texas broad. It was 13 to three and they were talking at halftime. They were talking about what? Oh, Penix is struggling and you know, Washington's off. Blah, blah. It's like, it's 13 to three. You should be talking about the Washington defense. You clowns. And they also said, remember when it, Eddie ulafosio blocked the punt and they said he was a blue chip recruit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, I tweeted like they literally could have said anything else. It would have been closer than that to fact.
2: Yeah, no, they were they were pro pro Texas, and yeah, it, it was it was hard for them to really give a lot of credit to Washington.
1: <laughs> hey, g- give me the A word. A word. Your After- favorite. Your, one of your fi- – it starts with an A-T. Atrocious. Atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> is atrocious force. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Ulafosio. Eddie yeah, he was a blue chip recruit. Like, what? <laughs> Did you guys yeah. even, like, do a minute of research on this guy? I mean,
2: Ulofosio's story is one that, you know, you'd bring up on the broadcast because of what he's been able to do. I mean, to, to call him a blue chip. Yeah, that was – that was uh, unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was – the broadcast was was so pro-Texas. I mean, they were just – they couldn't stop talking about them. And it was cool. You know, Washington was you know, clearly the better – was was being – was clearly the better team in the first half. I mean, throughout the entire game. I mean, the defense, uh, you could argue that was one of their better showings. Uh, I mean, Ewers is a good quarterback. I mean, he, he's streaky. He's definitely like kind of a streaky guy, but he's definitely no slouch. I mean,
1: he's had some really good games. He's he's not a bad quarterback. Yeah, we we did get helped by Worthy having those drops. Yeah, I and mean, that was. Huge. But here's the thing: if we if we needed to if we needed to score a touch another touchdown, we probably would have. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, worthy those those drops were. You know, his deep drop was was. You know, that's unforgivable. Uh, he, he was wide open. It was perfectly thrown ball. Um, yeah, I mean that's inexcusable as a wide, you know, as a wide receiver as good as him. That that's
1: something you don't, you, know, you don't uh, see often. You shouldn't have that happen. Yeah, that guy's not in the same ballpark as John Ross. Uh, no, I agree there. Absolutely. But yeah, getting back to Talapapa. Um, you know we could talk about the schedule being out, but another just let's just do like random observations mm. yeah, this well, I guess it's not that random this team, it's five best performances of the season were probably the last five games,
2: yeah, no that, yeah,, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, how much better was this team at the end of the season versus even? Even just the middle of the season, even after you know beating Arizona or beating Cal, yeah, no,
2: it was a steady trajectory uh, of improvement, no regression. Um, you know, a team effort, some obviously some improvements defensively, yeah. I mean, that they, they were just improving game by game, and and I think as a fan, you know, your confidence was building more with the team as well. I mean, especially after the Oregon win and the way they were able to win on the road. I mean, that was just a huge boost.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Someone else. Yeah. Someone else tweeted this week. Even I think, I don't know who it was, but I think even before the Oregon game and they said that, um, or maybe it was after the Oregon game, they said that the, the drive, you know, the ninety-yard drive against Oregon State—that that was a turning point of the season. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that—I think that game, yeah, I think that game and that last drive, that was a turning point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think probably for the players, just a confidence builder, and and I think that's part of like buying into the staff, right? I, I just don't feel like you see that improvement unless you kind of have a bought-in team and guys putting in consistent effort right because i mean the, the hardest part especially now is getting guys all on the same page i can't imagine the challenges coaches have these days I mean, with all the distraction you, you know for for young adults now it's just insane but and then just all the chirping and fan base and media like you know to nil get on the same page performing, I mean, it's, it's a big task.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really keen observation and you can just see, um, I mean, we know, you know, you have a hundred guys or whatever. It's, it's such a huge task for these coaches to manage that you can see, it, you could you could see and and realize, okay, th- this this team under DeBoer, like this guy, really knows what he's doing. He's yeah. a really good coach. All the players have completely bought in. Yeah, I mean, it's a very a very you know keen observation by you. And then you see other teams that you are just they're just you know Texas is obviously one example. I mean, just you know because this Washington team is not. I mean talent wise I mean I think it's it's going to get it it'll be better next year but I mean this is not like a su- I, I'll have to you know I have to look at certain positions and do some comparisons in the off season but it's not that talented of a team like it's not super right. loaded. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know what you're saying. And you know you look at a team like Texas has more talent. You know Oregon has more talent. But you look at Oregon I mean That's, you know, yeah they have lots of talent, you know, they look good, but like, you know, that team, as soon as the quarterback, you know, got hurt against it, like they they don't know how to handle adversity. Like they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of front runners. Like you look at them at Oregon state, Oregon state's down by what? 20 points. And, and they don't even throw a pass and they just run all over them with players who are not as good, not as talented. And they just win the game that way. I mean you know, you look at Oregon in the bowl game, you know, they're lose. you know, they're, they're, I don't know, half their team is going to the portal. I mean, that's just a poorly coached team that has a bad culture. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, that's what it is when you see teams that have a lot of talent and they're just not, you know, they're just not clicking or it's just, they don't have the culture. And then you look at, um, you know, a, a team like Washington under DeBoer, and you know, I'll just say it again, but it just everything's clicking, everything's rolling. I mean, not to, but it's like you know, you remember you're watching Oregon when Chip came there, and you know, the first cup, it was just like everything was like on point, everything was running like a machine. I mean, that's, you know, that's when you know that the coaching and the players, like they're just they're really on the same line. Like the players have completely bought in. You know the coaches know what they're doing. They're they're pushing all the right buttons. Um. So yeah, I don't have an ending to to my diatribe, but well, um,
2: just, that's just the difference, right? To your point about you know you may not be the the most talented, but you're getting the most out of the guys, and you're competing, and you're winning tough games. And uh, yeah,
1: and that that's I mean obviously it's early to say, but that's why I think we're going to win the league next year.
2: I I love where you're headed. I love that mindset, and i I don't think it's unreasonable to think that is a very a very real
0: possibility for this team. I mean, why why
1: couldn't they? I mean, they were they they were the best team in the league at the end of this season. Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. I mean I, I think I think I think we would have beaten USC. I think maybe Utah's a tough game because of the physicality.
2: Yeah.
1: Um you know, and they have a lot of experience and you know, they know how to come back. Um but yeah, I mean going I into next. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't I mean that's that's we should probably get to questions, but um uh yeah, I mean I I don't know. What's your? Let me. me Here's a quick. Here's a question for you because I have an interesting thought on this. Which player do you think is the the biggest loss or hardest to replace?
0: Biggest loss.
1: Or hardest to replace.
0: I think like uh, I think Jeremiah Martin's going to be challenging.
1: Yeah, I. I. He would be my. He would. He would be my number two. My number one would be. You know, the more I think about it, I think Peyton Henry. Mm, Yeah, I mean the the guy's been a good kicker, and he's been on the team for what five or six years.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, you you have a it's you have a shaky kicking game. Yeah, that could.
2: Yeah, you're right. That could be.
1: But I I agree with you on Martin. I would I would say he's probably. But I think those. Those two, yeah, th- those I think would be the top two.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Martin is just, man, he's, I just really like him. Um, but yeah, to your point, having a reliable, consistent kicker is super key, especially if, you know, you're going to compete for, you know, a conference championship or even a top four uh, finish. Like the, those, <laughs> the place kicker is massive. Uh, you know, being, having a successful season in close games.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the Oregon game, for example, I mean, just kicking those threes along, you know, early in the game, I guess it was, you know, we had a couple field, we got stopped. I mean, it was disappointing. Um, But, you know, you, it's easy to say, but you know, if if you, if he just misses one, what was he four for four that game? I mean, if he just misses one of those leading up to that point, then at the end of the game, you got to get a touchdown, to win the game, I mean, you're behind, so you have to score, you know, a touchdown when you get the ball back. I mean, maybe Oregon kicks a field goal along the way and they get, you know, ahead by certain. So it's, I mean, it's easy to think like, oh, well, you know, kicker's not that big of a loss, but I mean, it really can be. Who's going to be our place kicker? Do we you know? I might have to get some, somebody in the portal. So we don't know exactly who it's going to be. Well, I, who was that guy? Grady Gross. Was he the kickoff guy?
0: I don't know. Well, we'll figure it
1: out. Yeah, I mean, but as far as, you know, the Portal additions um Jabbar Muhammad, that cornerback yep. from um okay. Oklahoma State, I mean, he was one service had him as a uh, all-league another service had on, had him as honorable mention PFF had him, I think, is the third highest graded corner in that conference. He would have been the fourth highest graded in the Pac twelve. So I mean, that's a guy who's gonna be a starter. Um unfortunately, that guy from ASU, who I think would have been a good depth guy, a depth pass rusher. Yeah. you know, he he it was a grades issue with him. Well, or sure. not a great like a transcript. He would have, you know, he would have had to take a Spanish class or something. He didn't want to do it. It was something like that. So he's out. So he's out, yeah. Um I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean the the JC cornerback we got, um, you know, some people have watched his film and they think he has a chance to be decent. So well, I think you know, you know Dylan
2: Johnson seems like a very Interesting. Uh, Yeah.
1: Look, looking at the offense, I think we've, the running back room is going to be better. And I think tight end as well. I think that guy from Cal Poly, remember uh, Utah, that guy, what was his name? Dalton Kincaid.
0: uh, I mean, he,
1: he, he was from a small school. I think he was from like university of San Diego or something like that. He was from a small school and they got him in the portal. A couple years ago, and he turned out to be a big get. I think this guy, like I think the tight end room now with this Cal Poly guy, I think it's going to be really strong. Not, not to go back to, to defense, but I'm going to. <laughs> what about
0: that Durfee guy?
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't watched him. Yeah, I guess my my question would be: Is is, is can this guy make an impact? You know, immediately. Or is he going to make more of an impact in year two or three? Yeah, no, um, remains to be seen. But he's got a, he's got a good frame, that's for sure. But I think you know. So I think we've shored up cornerback, um, improved the running back room, improved the tight. I mean, the tight end that's going to be a really good group next year. Yeah, I, I, I mean Westover, Culpin, this other. You have three tight. I mean, it's a it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I, I mean, Cole has
2: an opportunity to, to, to you know, put himself in the NFL. It, you know, he announced that he was coming back on Twitter, and I was thinking to myself, like, well, yeah,
1: <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know you're coming back. Yeah, going back to Jeremiah Martin, like, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M is a fucking idiot. Yes. I mean, he, he did the same thing as Sark with Joe Mathis. Oh, let's just throw him out there as a true freshman, and, you know, see what he yeah. has you know and waste his eligibility yeah like yeah. he he should be i mean he sh- he should be coming back too i mean he he wouldn't have to he's obviously good enough to get drafted but um that's just a side comment so yeah i mean i think we've improved the tight end room we've improved the running backs room improved cornerback I think maybe we're going to take another two or four guys in the portal. I would think at this point probably on defense. What do you say?
2: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, obviously they're set up wide receiver. They made improvement at running back. I think Tybo is obviously going to be a good addition coming in. Um, so I, you know, offensive line is going to be solid, and, and you know, shot. And I bring this up because I've been hard on Huff. you got to give him a shout-out. The line's playing very good. They probably are going to be regarded as maybe top top eight O-lines in the country. But you still have to go back to the coaching staff to, to see the improvements, right? I mean, obviously, scheme that they brought in is a huge help. I mean, we – the receivers actually get open now, and that's because of the routes they run. Um, so the, there's a lot of things that this, you know, that Grub and, and DeBoer brought in. and But clearly Huff is communicating and teaching what they want. Otherwise, they you know, they would replace Huff or the line would be struggling. So I'm giving credit to, to Huff by, you know, obviously relaying coaching up these guys the way grub and DeBoer expect out of the offensive line so i think the offensive line is going to be really really good next year which obviously is going to make penix
0: even more dangerous because they'll have another year together
2: penix doesn't hold on to the ball very long this team this line is going to be together for another year so um to me, I'm, I'm very excited about the offensive line. So uh, they're set at offense, right? I don't, we have no concerns offensively right now. If we had a concern on offense, I would say like, maybe we don't have like, you know, a Bishop Sankey at running back, but maybe this Dylan Johnson guy will be the dual threat type of guy they really want.
1: Yeah. I mean, you never know because Johnson, he had pretty good numbers. Right, in in the SEC, I mean, which as we know, that's stiffer competition. Yes, and so, you know, I think someone described him right now as like a better version of Cam Davis. Mm. Um, And and here here's the other thing. Um, I was talking to our buddy Dennis DeYoung about this. You know, going back to what we're saying at the beginning, like you know, everybody's buying in. You know, off season national (laughs) championship. (laughs) coming in terms of guys working hard. Like when you have, when you have everybody on the whole team working hard, that's going to make a huge impact. Oh yeah. I mean, because there could be guys on the team we think are Jags right now. I mean, I don't want to name name or they're just, you know, they're average or they, you know, not to say like, like Cam Davis, for example, what if he like, remember Levon Coleman where You know, it was like as he played as a freshman, he was okay. He didn't really play much in 2015. He had like one big carry in the last game, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that was Coleman, not Gaskin." Mm -hmm.
0: Right.
1: But you never thought he was going to be that great, and then suddenly the 2016 season, like, he's the reason we beat Arizona. You know, ripping off those huge runs (laughs) when the whole team was in a funk, and it's like, so there. I'm I'm eager to see a bunch of guys like that where it's like, yeah, you kind of wrote them off. They're kind of jag, but you know, maybe they realize like, I only got a year or two left, you know, we're going to be playing for a championship. You know, we're we're hoping to go to the playoff. I got to bust my ass. Cause I don't want to let, you know, I don't want to be the guy who lets the entire team down. And that's, you know, and when you have the whole, you know, when you have the whole team with that attitude, like it's going to be exciting. I mean, that's, it's hard to quantify, but it's if, if just, you know, you have 20 or 30 guys like that and they just get like 10% better in the off season. Like it's going to, it just, it can really magnify itself when you look at it from a team perspective.
2: So does that translate into a hot tech ticket next year? That, you know, do, do you buy the season tickets or you go game by game and, and buy single game tickets? What? Yeah, I,
1: I I think I might get season ticket. I mean, I, you know, I like, I like, how do you say, a non, how do you say it? anonymity is that how you say I I don't like sitting in the same seat the entire time so maybe I'll get season tickets but I'll you know sell the tickets and like move around
2: (laughs) well we know that obviously Oregon's gonna be a highly sought after ticket and and Utah and obviously the apple cup because it's the apple cup not necessarily because of the opponent but it's just the apple cup
1: so well, but I, even yeah. I mean you know Tulsa's not I, I mean uh, Tulsa's not that much of a throwaway game I think the Boise game should be really fun like I hope we crush them. Yeah, that'd
2: be great. I'd be happy.
1: <laughs> but I mean that's
2: uh that, that's a good good team you know it has a little bit of a regional name to it obviously and Boise State's known you know just because of what Pete did for him. so you know, it's it's better than playing like some just shitty a two A school or
1: something. Yeah, like Portland State or Yeah. Sacramento State or whoever. Yeah. Or it, or, or but we can't you, play Montana again. Yeah. Yeah, shit.
2: I mean
1: <laughs> Can you fucking believe that? Like we went from losing to Montana right. to I was gonna say that
2: earlier. Yeah. Yeah, just a short time ago they were losing to Montana, got railroaded by Michigan for three hundred and forty yards on the ground. And, you know, we were on, I mean, we were talking early about, you know, Lake just getting fired, getting let go. I mean, it was that, you know, we saw it being that bad. (laughs) I
1: remember remember we were texting during the Montana game. And I I don't know if it was you or me, just like, this team's horrible. Like we we are horrible. (laughs) And here's the thing. It's a good thing that we actually lost the game. It is. That's a good point.
2: But I I do want to say, like, this is why you listen to podcasts and other people now Then it's where, you know, a lot of times people are getting their news not from the mainstream or listening to KJR or listening to whatever. Who's the other channel? Salks, guys, the 710. They, They go out there and they defend Jimmy Lake. Like ESPN, like they go out and defend people that are clearly not fit for the job, or not calling it out as it is, and and going on the defensive for a guy like Jimmy. Like, well, give him time, you know. Let you know. Let this is one game. No, it's like clearly there's a problem, and and you can't articulate that because. You are the mainstream or, you know, maybe the university calls you up and tells you to back off or whatever. But to me, it's like, I'm just so tired of like, you know, people not calling it as it is. Right. And, and defend, you know, just like with Willingham, he, he was defended for way too long. And, and even with Sark, I mean, he wasn't getting criticized early enough. I, I mean, when it starts to become clear that it's not right, like just start banging
0: the drum. It drives
1: me crazy. Yeah. Well, you. I mean, you got to listen to a bunch of different people, but realize everyone's full of shit at some point. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can't believe every. You know, you can't believe. I mean, it, it's like I always say this with. I I say this with Alex Jones. Like his problem was making everything into a conspiracy like sure. everything that happened like okay just stick with the stuff that makes them like every news event oh it's a conspiracy there's fake actors there like dude you're hurt you're losing your credibility i mean the sandy yeah. hook thing it's like dude you just you just stick with the stuff that's most believable like right. it's like it, i'm sorry to go off on a t- but that's just my point it's like everyone is full of shit to some degree nobody is 100% right about everything you Unless, know a lot of everybody has their bias you have to listen and you know just decide you know who who's right. making the best point on a certain issue and obviously Jimmy Lake you know just losing to Montana like it was the recruiting was be- it was clear at that point like it it was completely obvious
2: well and you know Dick Baird just couldn't go there right for him that's just
1: he, he Wait, when, what, when did he retire? Did he retire? Oh, yeah. He retired at the end of that season. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he he said,
2: I, you know, I can't, basically he can't involve himself in you know, in the culture and the way the game is now and fans and blah, blah, blah,
1: which is fine, whatever.
2: Again, you know, he's very defensive about coaches, but I just don't like he yeah,
1: just, that's I, that's his bias for example. Yeah, that's
2: his bias. But what I'm saying is that's why you listen to us because we're always right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, that's true. <laughs> we we have all the answers. But uh, it just but that's again why why we started the whole thing in the first place is because the Sarkissian thing was was out of hand and the local media was was turning a blind eye to a shitstorm.
1: Yeah. A shit person and a shit coach. Yeah, all of the above. Exactly. Uh, so let, let's talk about the schedule, and then we'll hammer out some yeah. uh, some questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the schedule. The schedule will probably be released by the time you're listening to this pod. Um, you know, I guess some fans have, you know, they're they're up in arms about, you know, at the end of the season. We're going to be playing. Uh, it was at Utah, Oregon state and USC at USC, and,
0: Utah at uh, Oregon state, Washington state.
1: Wait, say that so, again. So at USC, um, right. Utah at home and then at Oregon state. And then yeah, home against the Cougs. So here are my thoughts on that, Jimmy. And I, we haven't talked about this by the way. Um, Okay, well, last season, you know, we already talked about it. This team improved along the way. They were much better at the end of the season. You know, that players improved quite a bit. That's an example of good coaching. Uh, If you look at last season, I mean, the Wazoo is a good team. You had Oregon, Oregon State. Okay, Colorado is basically a bye. Then Wazoo, who was a good team. So we did beat three good teams in four weeks, Oregon, Oregon State back-to-back. So I mean that you know what we're looking at next year is probably going to be a little bit harder, yeah. but we we don't know how those teams are are you know some seasons the you know the preseason predictions you know some seasons that they things pan out, but most of the time they don't and like we don't know how these teams you know Oregon State you know they they could be I know they got that quarterback from Clemson. But, you know, they had one guy portal on defense. I mean, they could, you know, they could lose some talent and maybe they're only going to be an 8-4 and team and not a 10-3 and team like this year. You know, Utah, they've won the league twice in a row. Maybe they just start... Maybe they're not as good. You know, maybe USC turns out to be really good and, you know, we lose to them but win the other two. Like, we can't just... Yeah, it looks hard right now, but we don't know how good all those teams are going to be. And we were playing... Again, we were playing our best at the end of the season. You know, depth and talent, I think, is my concern for this team. I'm not saying it's a huge concern, but depth. And given that we're playing these games later in the season, that's going to give us time to build depth along the way. Yeah. Uh, I- so I don't. And, and I- we, you have to play these teams at some point anyway. So there's no, you know, if you have a negative reaction to this, it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you would have a positive reaction to.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, you're going to have to play these guys anyway. I, I think the biggest challenges for Washington, frankly, will be, you know, key injuries. And, and that goes for any team. Um, but it, when you look at the schedule, yeah, there's every schedule is going to have areas of concern for every fan base unless you're georgia and you play a bunch of shady teams <laughs> you know early like their schedule's pathetic but you know they do get a buy before oregon i believe oregon has a buy before us as well so we both have buys before that game um and you know before they get they're at arizona at usc or I guess it says at Arizona, at Stanford, or ASU, at Husky Stadium. What? Well,
1: they're not, well, the official schedule will be released. I get you. Uh, tomorrow, Right, right. Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th. But they've given hints. So people are kind of piecing together the right. schedule from the hints. Yeah. Well,
2: okay. Right. This is from Fan Nation, I'm reading. Yeah. Sorry about that. Anyway, and, and I guess there was also rumblings about having the
0: championship, the conference title game on a Saturday versus a Friday, which is probably a good idea, just from a fan perspective. Yes, their travel, traffic, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Should have clarified.
2: So but yeah, to your the, the to your point, you're gonna have to play these guys. It's not gonna be perfect. I, I think they're saying that USC
1: has a buy before the, the championship game. But they that might be their only buy unless they play week zero.
0: Yeah. So So
1: so USC is not they're basically not gonna have a buy during the like vast majority of the season. Yeah. So
2: There's that, you know, people could certainly complain about, make their complaints about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, remember 2016 season where people were like, Oh, we have to play Oregon and Stanford back to back. You know, they always, you know, they always do that to us. Yeah. Yeah. And look what happened. So, I mean, unless there's like a murderer's row of, I mean, the 2013 season when we had like Stanford, Arizona State, and Oregon. Okay. That was like the most brutal schedule thing that I'd ever seen. But I mean, it comes down to the quality of the team and how, you know, how good you are. If we're a really good team, those games are not, you know, if you're a really good team, you can handle it. Yeah. 100%. And so let's just worry about, Getting some more guys in the portal, like you know, maybe we should get a safety. I don't know if we need a linebacker or another pass rusher. The Evans um, guy ever
0: pick a school? The Fresno State safety. Yeah,
1: he his brother went to Oregon, so he went to Oregon. Oh wow.
0: So I, I guess he. I guess he's gonna.
1: He's gonna you know, have to watch balls sail over his head to <laughs> Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan, That's right? I guess he he signed up for that.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Is it questions time? Yeah. We got to run through this quick. I'm sorry. Um, Do it. let's see. Uh,
0: I'll get, all right. We'll go quick. John
1: Ross or Reggie Williams. Ah,
0: Reggie.
1: Yeah, I got to go Reggie, but I love them both. By yeah. the way, do you see Reggie on the sidelines? Uh, D- during the Alamo Bowl, there were some pictures. I didn't see him. I mean, that, might not, be, that might not be true. I think I did see one. Yeah, it's, it's awesome that the way this regime is getting former, you know, not former dogs, but getting old dogs back into the program. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a good one. Should we be concerned about the backup QB situation?
0: what is it? Uh, Dylan Morris.
2: And who's the other guy?
1: Well, you... we only have two guys right now, so we're obviously going to, we'll get somebody in the portal. So, so who's our emergency quarterback? Cam
2: Sir, uh, Camden sermon. Now he's moved to, a, I think a wide receiver, or tight end, no longer running back. Because is it Dylan Morris and uh only, just Penix and Morris, huh?
1: Yeah, just two guys right now. Yeah,
2: well yeah, they definitely have to get somebody else. Um so I I would say there's some there's some concern there. Obviously not getting kind holes sucks. Um but they'll figure it out. But yeah, I mean to say you're not concerned when you only have two scholarship
0: QBs. I think you'd have to say you're a bit concerned. We got to keep Pennix healthy and upright this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, if okay, here's a question for you: You know the coaching of the staff. If Dil, if this Dylan Morris had had a week to prepare, how many of the teams on our schedule could we beat with Dylan Morris with one week of prep?
2: So hard to know because what kind of strides has Morris taken under this staff?
1: Right. Has he gotten enough? Has he gotten enough uh, reps?
2: I I will say this from what we saw of Hayner at Washington and in the spring game, if I recall, or whatever practice it was, where he was getting all the practice reports that he was getting picked off left and right. And everyone said, Including me That Hayner was not the guy He had no future He wasn't going to be good And what does he do He goes to Fresno State And he balls out Under those guys So Why would we just write off Dylan Morris Based on what he was dealing with Under these horrific coaches uh, That he had
1: Yeah, I I completely, completely agree with you. Yeah, so I
2: feel like if there was a scenario where Morris had to come in, I right now I could tell you I would feel, but I'd rather have panics. Yes, but I'm not gonna hit the panic button if it happens that Morris has to start a game. I I wouldn't because you know he had some really good games early in his career. I mean, he had that massive comeback win, was at Utah and then he almost came back against Stanford. And we, we, you know, we were talking about his moxie and his competitiveness, blah, blah, blah. So I have, I feel comfortable with Morris as the backup,
0: right? now.
1: Yeah. I think they can, I think they can, he's erratic, but I think the coach, the coaches can really, uh, improve him and make him more than a serviceable backup. Yeah, I,
0: I agree. And,
1: and and look, I mean look at USC. If they had, you know, they well obviously, you know, their whole team was Caleb Williams, basically. So when he went down, you know, they were paper tiger. But you know, what if they had like a legit backup?
2: You All know, right.
1: they might have at least they might have at least had a shot that game. Exactly. Yep. Um uh okay I love Jeremy Bernard's high school film, but the seven receptions in 2022 have you concerned no not at all because if you look there's a lot of you know when i'm looking at stats and analyzing players and you know from other teams a lot of guys do make like a you know they play a little bit they have a few stats and then suddenly they make a big jump the next season like that's not that uncommon so him only having seven catches that doesn't concern me yeah and and year one to year two i mean there's going to be for players, that's when they can make the most improvement. In, in in Michigan State, you know, I
2: I'm not a Mel Tucker guy. I don't think he's a very good coach. Um, and, and you know, Peyton Thorne, I don't. You know, I I, I think there's there's more to that whole story. I, I'm not concerned about Bernard. I, I, I'm happy to have him. I'm happy to have him back. I'm I, I, I'm excited. I mean, I think it's obviously going to hard for him to contribute right away from what's in front of him, but <clears throat> you know, in probably his mind, he's looking more to the
1: future as it is. Is this the greatest ah. wide receiver core of all time? I think he means for UW. Would you take Rome and Jalen over Ross and Pettis? <laughs> this guy said, I still lean Ross and Pettis. I'd probably, I'd probably agree, just because Ross and Pettis. I mean.
2: Yeah. No, they're really good.
1: Un- unless, unless, you know, this year, unless Rome really elevates his game where yeah. he's, a lot, he's a lot more physical, he's breaking more tackles. That's what we need to see out of both Rome and Jalen. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the challenge, I, I, I
2: think you have to lean because to Ross and Pettis, only because, I mean, Ross... Ross's speed was just so insane. Um, you know, you, I mean, you got to know where Odin and McMillan are, but like Ross just had that other level here. Um, and, and Pettis was just so damn good. I, I think, but to your point, I think they, I think the difference is, is that McMillan and Rome could surpass them this year.
1: Well,
0: if, if they, they
1: could end up being the better duo. Well, one of my favorite stats, you know, Ross and Pettis, they have the record for uh touchdowns by teammates in a season receiving touchdowns. They have the Pac 12 record. Wow. Yeah, that's but you know, because we we didn't really have a marketing department, so nobody knows that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, should have, but
2: when you I, talk I, about top three receivers, then
0: I think you're probably looking at the best with Polk.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think 20, 2011 and 2013, we also had some really, really good receiving talent. Um, but yeah, I think this, this season definitely has a, sh- the, the group as a whole definitely has a shot to be the best, but that's okay. Like, Okay, Rome, so you're coming back. Now, move yourself from like a fourth round pick up to like a second round pick. Like that's, right. that's what I want to see. Absolutely. Like yeah. be, be, be dominant.
0: Yeah, and,
2: and he has the ability to do that. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. There's, there's no question.
1: Any insights or thoughts, NIL packages that UW is offering? what are we able to offer that's better than other big-time schools, i.e. Ohio State? What is a player like Penix worth compared to a lesser-known commodity of a random five-star high school quarterback recruit? I think, you know, and I'm not 100 percent confident in this answer, maybe 70 percent. I think what we're doing is we're paying, we're paying guys so they'll come back. We're paying them based on what their value might be in the draft. So Penix got paid, I think. I don't want to repeat the numbers, but he's getting paid like he'd be a third-round pick. And he also, I think we also gave him an insurance policy. But so I, take he's,
2: I take everything back instead of the beginning. <laughs> Guys return, returning because I see what's in front of them. I guess there's a money element involved.
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's the, no, I mean, I, I I I think it's a combination of No, it's really a combination of things. Yeah. I oh. mean, obviously the the money's Look, the money's important, but the money could put them over the top. It, the money makes it an easy decision for these guys to return because they're having a lot of fun, they're going to be on a great team, you're going to be competing for a championship. They love the coaches they're playing for. You know, they, they, they love being at UW, you know, the, the, around the campus, around the city. You know, they feel loved. All those, re- I mean, all those reasons are great. I think when you throw in, here's a little scratch for you. Yeah. That, that makes it a really easy decision to come back.
2: Sure. Good
1: point. Uh, and, but I, I think that's what we're doing with NIL. We're basically, we're, we're paying guys what they've already proven. Like, we're not paying young guys or high school recruits. I think that's what we're willing to do. Yeah, well, that's that's reasonable. And we're, hey, and you know, I, I think,
0: yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, paying on performance. Yeah. Okay, let me run through, uh, run through some more. Right. Um,
1: thoughts on having possible portal QBs? I haven't been, I haven't been following that. I mean most likely outcome to fill QB depth. Okay, do you think there's going to be a transfer before spring or portal after spring for what? Quarterback. Quarterback, yeah. Or is it possible Heward removes his name and comes back? No. I think heward has gone. Yeah, I I thought I thought Sam maybe he had a shot to be one of those quarter one of those guys like an old school guy who he doesn't play for three or four years, but then he plays and he's good his last year. That was my hope for Sam, but you know he probably wants to play
0: yeah. now. Basically, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he ends up.
1: Uh, what do you think the ideal traditional recruits versus transfer portal recruits ratio is? I know it may depend on what a program's immediate needs are, but what are your general thoughts? Example, assuming twenty five athletes, seventeen high schooler recruits and eight transfer portal pickups. I would say I mean, I kinda like how we're doing it so far, Jimmy. I mean, I think I think you want it to be mostly high school guys and then you you get you know, you get a quarterback in the portal or you get some guys here and there to fill I needs.
2: Need. You know, you got to fill where you're weak, right? Where a guy can come in and fill that gap right away.
1: The stronger you are as a program, the lesser, the fewer number of guys you take in the portal. Like, look at Georgia and Alabama. Oh, sure. Yeah. And Ohio State as well. Like, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Your foundation has to
2: be high school. You, you can't be, because you can't be relying on, and that's probably, you know, where Mel Tucker's going to get screwed. Guys are going to transfer and they're not going to pan out. You're not portal guys that you expect and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to perform. They're going to fizzle out or, or, you know, not live up to expectation.
1: Yeah. I mean, the real, the thing with the, like with the portal, if you get that, you know, a Ken, Kenneth Walker, you get a Penix, you get somebody like that. That's what really or Caleb Williams. I mean, that's what really makes the huge difference. Oh yeah. I mean, i uh, uh, master of the obvious, <laughs> but you know, I mean, the other guys didn't make that much of an impact. Although, uh, Jeremiah Martin, you know, it took two years cause he didn't do anything last year.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So the- I, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, 25 athletes. I'd say maybe like 20 high school guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: that's, I think that's right. I think that's the correct way to look at it.
1: Do you think there will be any staff changes? Uh, not sure at this point. It doesn't
0: appear so, I think they'll, I think they'll go on with what they got. Uh,
1: yeah. Should we be worried about our kicking situation? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we, yeah, I, I think. I think that could be one of our biggest worries. I mean, we talked about it earlier, you know, Peyton Henry replacing a kicker like that is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. It's, I didn't even think about it. It's that's probably one of
2: our most concerning spots for sure.
1: Yeah. Special teams as a whole, like that's a place where you got to get better. Yeah. Um, let's see. Assuming everyone stays healthy, expectations for next season—I'd say win the conference.
2: Yep, win the conference.
1: Yeah, and I mean we'll let the, you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may. But you know, hopefully, hopefully we we can win the conference and get in to the playoff because I mean that would be so great. In Jimmy, in the four-team playoff, the history of that, which it'll end up having a, what like a ten-year history that sound right yeah
0: something
1: like that and we will have made it twice and if you look at the teams that have made it twice at least twice in that time um there's probably not i mean there's probably less than 10 i would think yeah let's count let's count them out so you have alabama georgia Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson. So that's six. Oklahoma, seven. Um, at, at is LSU? Yeah, LSU. LSU's made it once. You know they could make it next year, but that's so. I, right now, there's only seven. Am I right, or am I missing somebody? I
2: don't know. It, you're probably close. They're probably missing one team, but I think the point being is that it would be exclusive company.
1: Yeah, I mean it would be such a great accomplishment. Yeah,
0: no, it'd be it'd be massive. There's no doubt about it.
1: So yeah, let's uh, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um all right, please predict discuss. Okay, well these we can go through these quick. Well, first I'll do the receivers because you we were just on that. After Rome, Jalen Polk Taj, which receiver is meaningfully productive? Let's I mean, you're talking about a fifth receiver. I mean, probably Probably Jeremy, no, right? Yeah, but I would say... Or maybe, I mean, maybe one of the tight... Like, we're building a good amount of depth at receiver and tight end. Yeah. Like, that's, that's critical. Yeah, I, you're,
2: I just don't think you're going to see many guys after those three, after Taj. I mean, you're at your limit there. And then, yeah, you're looking at tight end after that.
1: What's your best guess on that, what we do to secure a third QB... Um, do we go for a third QB or a potential backup? I think we go for a potential backup. I think we'll try and get the best that we can get. Yeah, I
0: think
2: so. I think obviously they're going to bring a guy that's going to compete. I don't think they're going to bring in a guy just to be
1: third string. Yeah. Just to hold the clipboard.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you think the running back rotation will be?
0: <sighs> Hard to say. I mean, if Dylan Johnson really
2: shows up, I mean, he, he might turn out to being a bell cow back.
0: Very possible.
1: Yeah. And that other guy, uh, the guy from ASU, you know, I was going to say Ariel Nagata, um, Daniel Nagata, he was a pretty highly rated recruit. And I think he's gained a little bit too much weight. That's what some people have said. He's like not quite as fast as he looked in high school. But, you know, that's another – maybe it's not this coming season, but, I mean, that's another guy that these offensive coaches – you have a lot of faith that they know what to do. Like, there's a reason why they're taking these guys. And, and this is another example of really good coaching. Like, they tailor everything to the players' strengths. I mean, you know, what does Tequila always say? Like, putting players in the right positions to be successful. Yeah. It, it Like, along those lines, like, you never – like all the plays they run for guy, like they're it just seems like they're everything they do is like one hundred percent tailored to what these players can do and do
0: really well. Yeah, they just better continue to do it yeah I, I, I think the point is is that we have a lot
2: of faith in what these guys are trying to do, and, and i I think if if a running back separates themselves from
1: the rest they're, they're going to play that guy. Especially if they yeah. I think you'll have, you'll have a uh, Dylan Johnson and cam Davis will probably be the one too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know after that. I know Newton had some good carries in the game against Texas, but he's still, and he had that great catch and touchdown against Cal. I like
0: Richard Newton.
1: But, I like Newton. I like him. Yeah. Um, I you know I hope Sam Davis a local guy. I hope he doesn't transfer. I you know I think he got a couple carries what against Oregon State. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. He's he's, um, still, he's
0: still
1: young. Yeah, I mean he's really young. I mean he he looked half decent, like he had some potential. So I I, I really hope he doesn't transfer. What do we got next? We gotta we gotta
0: we gotta close this down.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh Okay, how does ranked voting on the schedule? We got a couple more. How does ranked voting on the schedule work and who are the teams that voted against the finalized version? I don't know. I'd send that to <laughs> Coker. No no idea. Uh good question though. Yeah, toughest opponent next year.
0: I I think I mean I think I think on the road at
1: USC. Yeah. Utah. Um, oh no! Sorry, I was getting texted. That's actually it's actually uh, Dennis DeYoung. I'm name dropping here. He said he said uh, Oregon State will be banged up when we play them, and yep. he said USC whatever and Utah's more like us, but we have panics. Like we were talking about, so it, it this is like this the road is that USC
2: is going to be our toughest game.
1: Yeah, I I would probably agree with that. Um, you know, or maybe Michigan State early. I mean, who knows? Yeah, you, you you'll probably yeah you you would throw cold water on. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Utah late in the year can always be tricky, but um, you know, I yeah, I mean, I they're yeah, we have Penix. And I think they're due for a little regression.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I think that's
0: reasonable.
1: Yeah, and – oh, yeah, yeah, so I agree with – I'm sorry to belabor the point. Um, odds of having a respect respectable defense next year that can produce more stops. I think it's possible. Uh, but yeah. yeah, better. Yeah, so yeah. I, tweeted, I tweeted one advanced stat. Um, let me find this, and there's one more question after this. Um, okay, for our season, our defensive points per drive, the average was 2.6. The last six games, it was only 2.06. Wow. So, And that was against tougher opponents. And so that would have been number 48 on the season, mm. um, looking at the last six or seven games. But that's only one stat. So I think you think about that, you think about – I mean, I think the defense – the goal should be to have a top – 35. I mean, if I was betting, I would, I would bet on having a top 35 or top 40 defense. But I think the goal would be, let's get this to be a top 30, top 25 defense. Because, I mean, if you want to make the playoff and win the conference, you can't just have Penix rely on Penix to win every game. Just like what was great about the bowl game, you're going to need the defense to You're going to need other areas of the team to play well and pick you up. I mean, when you're a really good team, you don't have that many weaknesses. Right. And so you, you don't, you know, really good teams are not extremely reliant on one player. Yeah. That's good. Obviously crucial. So yeah, I would, so what, what would, yeah, I would say top 25 or top 30 defense. What would your hope be or goal?
2: Yeah. I think, I think anything beyond that's a pretty big ask.
1: Yeah, and I think you know some wild cards on defense. Ulfosio in his health. I mean, if we can get the 2019 or 2020 version of him, mm-hmm. that's going to be huge. Yep. ZTF. Could we get you know? Do we? Could we get something close to the 2020 version? Like, is he going to put on weight? I mean, could we see him improve the way that Martin did from last year to this year? Potentially. Um, but we'll talk about that on other pods. Okay. The last question was uh, one from Tech about. Okay, I clicked away from it, but it was basically how how big is the gap between the national champion, basically, and the you know the top teams in the Pac-12? So you
2: know, it's suggesting Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Well. They look pretty good.
1: <laughs> they pretty look- good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, guys are huge. Clearly, well coached.
2: Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud. Stroud Stroud improved on the year. All right, well, Stroud's Ohio at Ohio
1: State? Yeah, yeah. You're talking so,
2: about Ohio State. Am I? It's getting late. I'm all over the map. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I was getting to the point of just Georgia being. Really good, really big, fast players.
1: I they're playing know. a they're they're playing a different game. Like when you're at that level and, and they're firing on all cylinders, it's a different game. I guess I'm saying with Harrison and Stroud, they
2: are Ohio State players, but I guess you could say they look pretty good against the best team. I mean you could argue that was the national title game, you know, Georgia.
1: Yeah, it really was. Even though tech will be angry to hear that. Yeah. Sorry. But I mean, Hey, look,
2: was, to your point, they're playing a different game. I mean, they obliterated TCU, but a part of that, you know, TCU could have been also have just had an off night. They had a crazy year. They're not as talented as Georgia. George. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if Washington played Georgia in that title game, I mean, it would have been a blowout.
1: Yeah.
0: Right I mean we Georgia had its A game yeah I mean they they're just yeah, they're really good.
1: I mean they're been the best players. Like you know that. and, the, the, and the, this is what ruins college football. yeah because now it's like and I'm not defending tech and TCU, but I mean I really am, but they had an amazing season like that's an incredible season. like in the old system. You know, I, I, maybe Georgia plays Michigan or I don't know. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the same or whatever. But my, my point is, it's like that's a black mark on they had an incredible season. A historic season. And, and nationally, all anybody, yeah, they got fucking killed in the national championship game. You know, because we're making it now. Everything's about the playoff. It's going to be about national championships. All right. Sorry. I know we have to go, but oh, no, rant, rant that's, over. That's, that's a good point. No, that's, that's a very good point. And well, because there, there was, you know, I, I, a lot of people are asking this question on Twitter and you know, various forums. Shout out DerekJohnsonBooks.com. Um, would, would, if that was, would you rather Washington? I think I, well, w- let's say you could have Washington win the Rose Bowl, but lose to Georgia by 50. Or in or in that scenario, would you just rather have them lose the Rose Bowl? Yeah. I think because it's the Rose Bowl, you'd say you'd rather have them win the Rose Bowl and lose to Georgia by fifty. But if it was like another shitty bowl, or not a shitty bowl, if it was you know the Peach Bowl or some shit like that, yeah. maybe you'd have to think harder about it. Yeah, you would. You'd have to think harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. You- it's a, it, it's interesting because this is like when, you know, the GOAT debate between Michael Jordan and LeBron, they say like LeBron's lost, you know, seven times in the finals or whatever. But based on that argument, it would be better if he lost earlier in the playoffs, which is worse. So it's, it's like easier how our brains think about that. It's like such an emotion, like emotionally, it's like, well, yeah, maybe if I was TCU, I rather just wouldn't have made the game. Well, wait. I mean, it's you had a it's it's a better achievement to actually win the semifinal game and then get to the game regardless of what happens. Yeah, no. I, but it's it's such an emotional like kick in the nuts that. Uh, well, I don't have to think about LeBron and MJ because I hate LeBron. So, <laughs> but I, what what are those jokes about like LeBron predicting the future? I need to get there's guys who are like making they're making fun of them for that i need to i need to see what the genesis of that was take a lot of shots out for a lot of stuff
0: yeah
2: yeah i mean i think yeah i mean so like that program i mean i just yeah there's a there's a gap there and it, it is a problem uh you have the same guys our the same teams you know you, well, I mean, look at Alabama. I mean, they've been getting great guys, and what, how many losses did they end up with—two or three—in
1: the national championship game? No, I'm just saying, like this year. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, they had. Well, they they had two really close losses. I mean, they could have lost three or four games, but still, or, if you look at the if you look at the metrics, they're like a top four team.
2: Yeah, I mean, they could. I mean, Texas you know, conceivably should have beat them.
1: They, yeah so, they would have if if yours didn't get injured. Right. Yeah. And all right, so, let's let's wrap this up. Do you have any any TV shows for people to watch?
2: <laughs> well, if if you're a Witcher fan, the Witcher fan, there is a uh, a mini series on Netflix called Blood Origin, it's the origin of the Witcher. I think it's like four or five episodes. It was entertaining, but The Witcher Realm show is not for everybody, but I think it's an epic title in itself. Very good. Um, I I started The Last of Us. uh, It's the adaptation of the video game on HBO Max. I think it has a lot of promise as a show. I didn't play the game. But I feel I think the people that play the game are, are freaking out because it's so good in comparison to the game. But I think it has definitely uh, some watchability to it. 1923 is really heating up. They took a break, which really sucks. It will not come back on until February 5th, but 1923 grown had grown, has grown on me excited to see that one unfold so that's my recommendations for right now
1: yeah i haven't seen the last oh dude something else did i cut you off
2: no i was just saying you know yellowstone's on
1: hiatus now too to wrap up the season that shows a little too violent for me
2: It, it, it the first three seasons yeah there's definitely a lot of violence It's it's not nearly the same level after I think season two might be the most I can't remember since so a while. But, yeah, I mean, it
1: is pretty violent.
2: But you like yeah, gangster I, movies, man.
1: I know. I do. I I I like mob gangster stuff. I don't like violence, though. I guess it's everything else about it that I like. I, I will say Tulsa King. I haven't watched the last two episodes, uh, but I will, I think, in the next couple of days. But if you like mob gangster stuff, you know, crime, and it's really, like, lighthearted, then you'd probably <laughs> like that. You're telling me there's no violence in it. No, I mean, there's it, the, it's kind of picking up. I mean, it, I think the first season's only nine episodes. I mean, it, it kind of picks up. The violence is picking up a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it starts out pretty slow. I, I think Stallone is, uh, he does a really good job. Yeah, I, I, I haven't
2: started it yeah I, I'm gonna, I started, uh, uh, Mayor of Kingstown. I need to get into that. It's just a time thing. So,
1: yeah uh have you seen the uh pamela anderson thing on netflix um, no
2: no but I, I know she's got the hulu series about her and tommy i guess i did hear one little thing about the pamela interview but
1: i know but no do you, do you have any insight on it well i i did watch this i haven't watched it but i did watch this interview on cbs and like wow she as you could probably imagine like she had a really uh Horrible childhood, it sounds like. Um, you know, sexual assault. Her, her father was like a total wife beater. Oh, she had these as a little girl, she had these kittens, and like the father like drowned them on purpose. Oh my god! Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's pretty like horrific what she went oh. through. Uh, but uh, you know, if you're if you're a guy listening to this pod and you were basically. You were born after probably like, uh, you know, you were born 1965 or later, you probably have rubbed one out to Pam Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I would, I would bet on that. Like I, yeah, actually the first, the first time I rubbed one out was to the unrated version of barbed wire. So, (laughs) uh,
2: well, I, I'll, I'll say this about Pam Anderson: the her her rise to fame and and uh, you know stardom was you know pretty insane when you look at her trajectory uh, as a sex symbol. I
1: mean, I was, it was like a moonshot.
2: Yeah, yeah, No pun intended there, buddy. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, her, her rise to stardom is, it, it's pretty unique in, 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 you know, the laurels of, you know, sex symbols. She's way, way, way up there in regards to yeah, her, her, her rise for sure. <laughs> no, that's the
1: way to end a podcast. Yeah. There's a yeah, there's a lot of puns that can go yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely.
2: On that note.
1: Yeah. On that ex- note for husky football yeah it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be awesome great off season, great season oh yeah we'll do some more of these pods for sure uh,
2: yeah trust me i mean I, the amount of excitement and optimism amongst my my husky brethren it's uh it's fever pitch buddy and we still got a long way to go before we get to the season
1: I think the stadium's going to feel like the old days. I think it's going to be rocking.
2: Yeah, I I think that's very fair. Very fair.
1: That's,
0: you know,
2: that's what it's its best. A lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Be ready for this town to be a Husky town again.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: Fuck yeah. I'm tired
0: of the Hawks. I want to
1: love the Huskies. Old Seattle coming back. Yeah, buddy. Let's see it. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again very soon, hopefully. And uh, go, dogs.
0: Go, dogs.